0: All right, gentlemen, uh, so this Saturday is our favorite holiday. I'm going to speak for all of us. It's the Grave Talk official favorite holiday of Halloween. And I put together...
1: Um, I'm a huge Arbor Day fan. Don't don't speak for me.
0: Arbor Day. I mean, that is obviously the second best holiday. Everybody knows that, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I put together a little quiz about Halloween, the holiday, not the movie. One of y'all are going to walk away with the coveted grave talk halloween championship award which consists of me saying good job you guys ready
1: oh man the stakes have never been higher let's get it on so here's what we'll do
0: first to choose who goes first uh we'll have y'all pick a number and i'll just think of one uh one through ten and then we'll alternate between you know whoever goes first and whoever goes second i have Six questions, so three each, and if there's a tie, got a couple of tiebreakers, uh, and then kind of a sudden death tiebreaker if it really gets down to it. All right, pick a number.
1: One. Uh, the pixies taught me that God is seven, so we're gonna go with seven.
0: Uh, Mark, I don't know who the pixies are, but I was literally thinking exactly seven. All right. So that's ridiculous. <laughs> you don't know the pixies, really? Uh, I said uh, no. Mm. Should I?
1: You've seen Fight Club, yes? Yes. They play their song when the buildings go blow up at the end. Oh, so. okay. You've probably heard them. You just don't know you've heard them.
0: Sound That's like a lot of bands in my life, pretty much. Most of them. Uh, all right, Mark. So you get to go first, and we're going to start pretty easy here. Okay. What is the name of the Celtic Harvest Festival that many people believe Halloween is based on?
1: The Celtic or Celtic Harvest Festival that Halloween is based on. You know, I always hear the term All Hallows Eve, but I don't know if that's the name of it. Um, And then the peanuts taught me about the great pumpkin. So maybe I'm going to go with the All Hallowed Pumpkin Festival Harvest. Is that correct? Do I get a chance to rebuttal?
0: Um, no, we're going to go in order. Oh. But I, I bet you know it, Gary. I'm actually surprised you don't know it, Mark, because as a <laughs> fan of the Halloween movie franchise, uh, it is, uh, oh, pronouncing, I mean, it looks like Sam Heim, but my understanding, it's pronounced like S not like that so i don't even want to try
1: it's sam hain sam hain all right listen garrett garrett is the resident halloween fanatic okay i'm the resident friday the 13th fanatic
0: oh okay
1: don't don't get them mixed up i know they're based both on silent killers but they're not the same movie
0: amateur move on my spot all right so far zero zero garrett what is a hollow
2: like the word hollow
0: yeah in the Context of Halloween, H A L L O W. What is that?
2: Um, I think it's like, oh man, um, uh, 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 hollow. Isn't it like a saint or like someone who's like really important with a
1: religion, um, something like that?
2: Ding, ding, ding! Garrett got it. Yeah, a saint or a holy person.
1: Hmm. I was gonna go with the sound my head makes when I knock on it.
0: <laughs> Too bad this isn't a dad Zing! <laughs> a dad joke competition. <laughs> All right. Zero one. Uh, Mark, in what country was the first written account of children using the phrase trick or treat uh, on Halloween?
2: I'll give you a hint, Mark. It's not Meepos. What country?
0: Yeah. What country's newspaper has the first written account of trick or treat? The phrase.
1: Macedonia. 2000 BC. No, I I don't know. I always just assumed Halloween was an American holiday, right? So I'm going to say the USA.
0: Oh, so close, but it's our neighbor to the north, Canada.
1: Oh, Canada has claims on Halloween?
0: Uh, Not Halloween, but the phrase trick or treat first appeared in a Canadian newspaper in 1927.
1: Those crafty Canucks. What can you do? It's a good phrase. It's stuck with us this long. I get it.
0: Yeah, I honestly, when I learned this, uh, I thought 1927 was way more recent than I was expecting.
1: Yeah,
2: me too.
0: All right, Garrett, how many pounds of our favorite candy, candy corn, are produced each year? I'll say plus or minus
2: 10%. I'm going to wear this wrong answer as a badge of honor, but um, I'm going to give it a good guess. How many pounds? Oh, geez. Um, trying to think of a pound here. Let's see. Every... Every month I buy a pound of chocolate covered gummy bears. That's uh I'm gonna say seven thousand.
0: Oh, okay. Uh it's much more like thirty five million pounds. Oh <laughs> Jesus. Ew, what a
1: waste <laughs> of food and sugar.
0: Uh according to this website, that is about nine billion pieces of candy corn each year.
1: My God. Yeah. And candy corn is just sprouted into all kinds of other flavors now. There's like a Thanksgiving candy corn that's like turkey flavored.
0: Oh, it's like they're on a drawing board thinking, how can we make this candy worse? Ah, make it turkey flavored.
2: You know what? No one's ever said, you know what? How do we make this candy better? And someone
1: said meat flavored. And everyone's like, get the fuck out of here.
0: It's the worst thing I ever heard.
1: That just sounds like somebody's going places. That's how you (laughs) innovate in the candy space. Make it taste like a protein.
0: That's so disgusting.
1: All right, so what are we at now? Garrett one, Mark zero?
0: That's it. Uh, All right, Mark. When was Halloween first celebrated in the United States? And we're looking for a decade here. So, for example, uh, 1520s.
1: Oh, boy. Um, My lack of Halloween knowledge exposed on this quiz. (laughs) That's going to be a shirt. Mark doesn't know shit about Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. I think I've mentioned before that early on in my life, Halloween turned into Hallelujah night at church. So I quit <laughs> celebrating Halloween because of my parents' religious beliefs. I'm going to go with 1950.
0: Okay. Interesting decision considering trick or treat was 1927.
1: You blew it! Oh, crap. I already forgot that answer. <laughs> See? I'm really bad at dates. I'm no good at my history quizzes. I can get the geography down, though. I'm good at that.
0: <laughs> uh, it was the 1840s.
1: Uh, that's what I meant. Numbers are all the same.
0: 1950s, <laughs> 1840s, you were so
2: close.
1: We'll give you half credit, Mark. OK, thanks. <laughs> 110 years off. That's, that's in the ballpark. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, Garrett. Uh, which vegetable were jack-o'-lanterns originally made from?
2: Oh, which vegetable? Well, we all know that tomato is considered a fruit through the fact that it has seeds, so it definitely wasn't tomatoes. Um, I'm gonna say a gourd.
0: Oh, gourd! Good choice. Uh, turnips.
1: Turnips. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, a pumpkin is a gourd, right? So that's oh,
2: that's good point. Weird. Yeah, that's kind of that's splitting hairs on my part. Yeah, okay. You know, I'm an idiot. Let's go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we didn't need a tiebreaker. One nothing. Garrett is our uh, champion, our Halloween champion, so as promised, good job.
1: Do you have a tiebreaker question ready, loaded?
0: I do. What is it? How many licks does it take, on average, to reach the center of a Tootsie Pop? And whoever is closer uh, will win. So
1: we're talking legit licks or like the, the cheating owl who would lick it three times and then just eat it? Legit licks,
0: no biting.
2: Okay. Look, I didn't spend 70 years of my life learning how to lick things not to know the
1: answer to this one, okay? <laughs> Garrett's got it ready. Uh, I'm just going to go with ballpark and say 1,800 licks.
0: 18? Okay, okay, Garrett.
1: I'm going to
2: say 921 licks.
0: Well, by Price's Right rules, Mark wins, but according to this website, it is 252.
1: On average. 252? I said 1,800.
0: Oh, you said 1,800? <laughs> I thought you just said 18. Uh, well, in which case then, Garrett wins. 252.
1: Still undefeated. I was like, which price is the right game are you watching, man?
0: I was astonished because I heard 18. I didn't hear the 100 part. And I was like, damn, these are some very small uh, Tootsie Pops or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think what's most astonishing is just how hollow my head actually is.
2: Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace welcome back to another episode of the grave talk podcast garrett filling in for the intro this time as opposed to mark because he's still licking the wounds of such a brutal defeat in the halloween quiz that we just took um
1: so guys how we doing mark never before in my lifetime has my fallacies been laid so bare i i thought you said phallus and i was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those guys that like to use big words and then hope he knows what they mean. And then we just figure out later that I usually don't. Um, no, I, uh, I'm i doing pretty good today, fellas. I'm, I've got my caffeine going. The weather outside is a little cooler than normal. Um, yeah, pretty good Saturday afternoon, I'd say. All oh, right on. John, how you doing?
0: Uh, not as good as Mark, uh, but okay, I would say. I'm hanging in there. Work's really been kicking me in the ass, but I watched some good horror movies and then i watched the one that this podcast is about those are mutually exclusive groups so i'd say all right
2: well good good to hear I'm, I'm also doing okay uh the allergies are a little high so my voice sounds like you know like beat up dog food um so uh early christmas gift for the listeners i'm probably not gonna be talking as much as i normally do so <clears throat> you're welcome <laughs> um yeah so that's uh that's great um so we have a new movie this week. Well, movie is being generous, but we have a new movie this week. Uh, but before we get into that, John, why don't you tell us about some of the stuff you watched?
0: I'm going to keep it short. Um, the my Probably the favorite thing I've watched since we last recorded was The Cleansing Hour on Shudder. Uh, I have to thank Mark for this one. He texted and was like, hey, there's a new Exorcist movie. And I was like, sweet, that's right up my alley. Uh, and it turned out to be pretty good. As someone who's watched a lot of very bad movies, exorcism movies this one is not that this one's pretty run-of-the-mill i like the uh sort of the take on it of it being like an internet streaming type thing i thought all right that's a good way to bring it into uh modern times so overall really good movie no, let me walk that back pretty good movie
1: worth your time
0: definitely i would recommend if you're interested in like possession or exorcism movies and you have shutter it's definitely worth watching
1: cool okay mark what have you been watching Well, if you guys follow us on our social media pages, you'll see that I picked up the Friday the 13th box set, and I've been slowly working my way through there, currently on number four. Um, Still love those movies, but aside from that, I watched Fright Night 2, which going in, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this, you know, based on the quick description I read on the last episode, but no, I had a pretty good time with that movie, guys. I would highly recommend it. Um, New Girlfriend, Charlie's in College. The, the whole, like, he doesn't believe Jerry Dandridge was a vampire, there is an in-story explanation for that, which I accepted and was like, okay, I'm okay with this. Great visual effects. The new vampires are pretty cool. Um, overall, good time. Recommend checking it out.
2: I hear the uh, second one's a bit more campy than the first one. Is that true?
1: No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, they introduce a werewolf, and the werewolf is actually played by Uncle Rico, from napoleon dynamite oh go on i'm listening yeah he he does a really good job of just like having a good time as this dude uh who turns into a lichen and and starts chasing around our main characters oh yeah there's uh, it was pretty neat man uh i'd say check it out right now as the time of recording you can actually find a free hd version of it on youtube um somebody uploaded it i suppose Uh, and that's where i watched the whole thing so don't you have to sink a penny into it and you can have a good movie all right right on
2: I think I'm actually going to check that one out because I really enjoy Fright Night and you know how I love vamp- uh, werewolves, so that seems like they added the one thing I needed in the vampire movie.
1: It'll be that much better for you. <laughs> I have a
0: like soft spot in my heart for movies that studios don't care about at all so someone could upload this whole thing to youtube and they aren't even going to take the time the five seconds to be like all right we should take that down they're just like whatever fuck it
2: (laughs) no dmca takedowns just
1: fuck it
0: yeah i respect these forgotten films yeah
1: it's uh it's interesting but yeah it's out there if you want to see it uh real quickly before we jump into the episode i did want to just mention everybody if you haven't got enough of your favorite grave talk podcast hosts All month of October, we've been hanging out with our friends from... Grown men watch kids shit. Grown men watch kids shit. Yeah, our buddy Jordan and TJ over there doing uh, the hard job of watching kids media and then giving it a review from the adult perspective. So if you want to go hear us talk about Goosebumps and Coraline and Alvin and the Chipmunks meet the Wolfman, you can hear us talk about all our memories with these properties and uh, just having a good time with those guys over there. So just uh, wherever you find your podcasts, iTunes, uh, just type in GMWKS and you'll find their podcasts. And check out that. We had a good time doing it. Yeah, it was really fun.
0: Yeah, I would totally second what Mark's saying. If you and Garrett, if you like us, you'll definitely love them. So give them a listen.
2: Well, I haven't watched any movies, you guys, because I've been busy with a bunch of other things. But I did jump on Shudder now that my account's fixed. And uh, let me go ahead and tell you, well, this is actually a special message to the people at Shudder. Whoever you have hired to write your descriptions of your movies, you need to put them on a written warning and let them know if they don't start doing their fucking job, they're going to be let go. I have never seen more bare bones, basic ass descriptions of a film in my life. And there's so many horror movies on Shudder. Shout out to Shudder for having a great selection. But if you have no idea what's in them, it's all like an old lady in a house discovers unspeakable evil. Two kids encounter a ghost that's unspeakably horrific. You know, it's like this does not tell me anything about it. Like they're the they basically like give the general strokes of like the genre of horror. And then they leave it at that. And I'm like, I need more because I've got 70 movies to choose from where an old woman encounters an unspeakable evil. Which one do I pick? Do I have to go by cover art? Do I have to go by the sample trailers, which aren't on all the, the movies? I'm just saying, you're making it real difficult for me shutter. So please get your shit together. Just expand a little bit on your description, so I know what to jump into.
1: All right, Shutter, you've been warned. Someone's <laughs> about to lose their job. <laughs> I don't want anybody to lose
2: their job. I just, I was just noticing that last night. I was like looking for movies, and um, I was like, man, I just, I, I didn't know what to pick because it was like it all sounds like the same exact thing. I was like, ugh, I need, I need more to go with. So, Shutter, as a, as a special plea, please,
1: please step it up. All right, and with that, that'll segue us in today's movie. Cuso, the Shudder exclusive from 2017. All right, uh, up front listeners, uh, heavy, heavy disclaimer, heavy warning. This movie is filthy. It's disgusting. Uh, It's repulsive. And if you uh, have a weak stomach for bodily fluids of all types, you may want to go ahead and sit this one out. I'm going to say that I don't know if I recommend this movie, but it fascinates me. And that's why I wanted to talk about it with my two co-hosts today. I was the only one that had seen it and nobody else in the world that I'd talked to had seen it. And I felt like I wanted to share my burden with my friends.
2: <laughs> that's a good that's actually a really good way of putting it, Mark. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I was watching the Joe Bob uh, last drive in. It was a marathon over a year ago of some sort. I can't remember exactly when. Um, really, really late at night. So that thing, those usually wrap up around like 1 a.m., And Shudder has a streaming channel, you know, if you go to their app and load that up, it just has something autoplay on this one particular channel and I just left it on and sure enough here comes Kuzo out of the blue, never even heard of this thing, Um, but I was immediately like kind of glued to the TV watching this intro of this kind of, I don't know, boil ridden man who's like poet rapping on the news. And that's kind of how this movie started. And I was like, what is this thing?
0: Potential risk of a tsunami on the coastal
2: area.
1: Your God is from the underground. So when you pray, you cannot walk around. No one will ever save you.
2: Once you're dead, then your are dead. There is no coming back. News flash, the world pranks wide the fuck open, swallowing you and your homies hole. Whole notes, homeless increments, the whole
1: can of boodle. It is holier than now. Digested by the earth, you have been jailed in the essence. Be in prison And I just sat there and watched the whole thing in disgust. And I couldn't stop watching until it ended. And somehow they kept ratcheting up the filth and disgustingness through the very end. I mean that last scene that we'll get to in a minute. who oh boy. I uh I just, I didn't know how to feel other than disgusted and repelled. And I think a a movie that can invoke that kind of emotion from me and still have me watch the whole thing, there's something to be said for that. Now again, I'm not recommending this movie, but I have to unpack it and that's what we're doing today. Um, So this one uh, was created and directed by Flying Lotus. He is a gentleman who has his, uh, he's been in in kind of the industry doing some stuff with Adult Swim. Back in the day, he did some animated and musical bumpers between shows. Um, Also, David Firth. This is also, he's he's on this project. He's uh, an animator. He's known, probably most well-known for his, I don't know if it was a Flash web show or something, but it's called Salad Fingers. But if you look up Salad Fingers, you're going to recognize this character. He's kind of slumped over, green-faced guy with big eyes. And what's also unbelievable about this is kind of a couple of the names they have involved in this. You got George Clinton from the Parliament Funkadelics in this doing a really gross scene um, that I can't believe he signed up for. You got Hannibal Buress doing a voice. You got Tim Heidecker from the Tim and Eric show. And there's a really brief cameo from Anders Holm from Workaholics. So clearly these guys know some names. But... Before we jump into what the movie contains, fellas, this was the first time you got you guys got to experience Kuzo. I want to hear what you have think, uh, what you have to say about it.
0: Um, I got to tell you, Mark, I watch a lot of bad movies, dredges. I mean, just the real bottom of the barrel shit. And this is probably the worst thing I've seen in a long time. It is visually, I guess, stimulating. I mean, it's twenty four frames a second. They get that done. But it's almost like you know when, well, this is probably old parenting type shit. But if you get caught smoking a cigarette, they'd be like, smoke a whole pack, and then you're like, oh, I never want to smoke again. It's like they saw the Adult Swim bumpers and were like, what if we make 90 minutes of this? And it just doesn't work. And I was like, this is terrible. And I, on, if it wasn't for this podcast, I wouldn't have made it more than 20 minutes. And I like into the movie, I stopped watching it multiple times because I'm just like, what. Ugh. This is just disgusting. It's like all fart and shit jokes. Like it's not ugh. and Wikipedia b- broadly describes it as body horror, but I mean it has horror imagery. I don't know that this is body horror. It's just gross.
1: You know, John, I I questioned watching this as well. Um I I'm, I'm going to think it has horror in terms of mood and atmosphere and just how off-putting and strange it could be. Yeah. You know, whatever that would be in realms of horror. I mean, there's no jump scares, there's no like blood but the imagery itself at, at times is disturbing and almost hypnotic. You know, it, I think that's part of it. At times? Did you say at times? <laughs> okay. No, I
2: think you mean from start to finish. <laughs> no, I,
1: I'm just talking, I'm, uh, I'm setting the disgusting stuff aside and I'm talking about all the bits around it, like all the animations I thought were competently made. And that's the thing about this movie, right? It doesn't feel like so generically cheap, that you would find it on Amazon, like freaking uh, Ghost Shark or, you know, Shark Women's Prison Massacre. Like it feels a few steps above something of that level. So I feel like the people in charge of making this movie did a competent job. It's just crazy what they decided to commit to film.
2: Mark, but what you're saying, though, is like, yes, the, the people who made this are competent, like artists. They they can they can create something that's like, you know, like they can. They could do it well, but that's like saying like if Kubrick made a snuff film, <laughs> you know, can you really separate the two parts of it though? Because this film, like I, I keep saying, film, and I, I hesitate to do that. This this thing that's on Shutter is is so bizarre and so like you. I for me, it's hard to separate the art from you know the artist in this because. I mean, I mean, you, we've got people who who are very talented. We've got scenes that are shot and created beautifully. Some of the special effects are just, you know, like wow, okay, wow, you guys are really good at what you do. But then what you've chosen to do with it, I don't know. Like, I can I understand that art's supposed to, you know, push boundaries, and you know, you're supposed to art's supposed you're supposed to question art. And there's there's that aspect that like is just permanent through this whole film. In that aspect, but at some point when we've played with shit for fucking 70 minutes, I'm good. Like, you know, like I don't need like great. Every single character in this you know movie has like massive broken out sores. It's just nonstop. Like the grossest thing you can choose to do. They did it. And it felt like it was like, ah, that's what's going to make it edgy. That's, and it's like, no, at some point, like now you're just being fucking gross to be gross. And maybe that was the, the point of it. But I don't know, man. Like, you recommended this i went in sight unseen i had no idea who was in it and i gotta say like 15 minutes in i was like i'm good like whatever you've got for the rest of this this flick like i'm good i've there's nothing else you're gonna throw at me that's gonna make me go like there it is that's what turned it around for me i don't man i'm really bothered by it like not like on a like oh i can't handle it but more just kind of like why would you spend so much money and time doing this
0: yeah that's Kind of how I felt like this uh, collection of image of images <laughs> is something I feel like I would have written when I was like 13, right? Like, oh, what's the grossest shit I can think of? Like, what if uh, you have to feed poop to some sort of ground pimple that has a face <laughs> in it? Like, yeah, that's fucking great. Let's do that. That's it, it just feels I don't know. I'm not to say like, oh, I'm so mature, but I think I may have grown past this level of film uh, just a little bit. That's a good point.
1: Oh, sure. And again, I've I, I think we all have. But that I think like what Garrett is saying in the feelings of disgust that I'm given and like, I think that's why I'm fascinated by it. By no means a good movie. I'm telling, I got to keep saying that because I know you guys are like, why the fuck are we talking about this thing? (laughs) But again, it's just, I have never been so repulsed by a movie and so fascinated at the same time. And I think that alone is an achievement that I'm going to give this movie. Like, I don't, this is now the bar for something that can be absolutely disgusting. And, in you know, movies invoke happiness, fear. Patriotism, when used for propaganda purposes, and now here I have this in my repulsion column, and I just—I don't know, you know—I'm—I'm I'm bewildered by it, just like you guys are.
2: I I get it, Mark, and and you're you're exactly right. They've they've done something for shock value. The problem for me though is the shock value wore off at about ten minutes. You know, like like they they went out the gate hard. And I'm like, okay, cool. Right on. This is, this is pushing, you know, quote unquote limits. And you know, they're, they're trying to be super edgy with this and okay, right on, you know, like, let's see what you got. But the thing is, is like, at some point it became rote, it became very, you know, like, okay, more shit. Okay. More come on this. Okay. More open source. Okay. More. And it was like, again, like if art supposed to push you and you're supposed, but like, that would have been great for 30 minutes. But for an hour and 40 minutes, I was like, yo, we've done this song and dance, man. It's no longer shocking to me at this point. It's just, it's self-masturbation is what it is. And I don't know, at some point it was like, great, you've done it. Like, let's move on. Let's, let's, what else do you have? Like, what's the, the point you're trying to make with this art? You know, like, what is, what are we trying to do and accomplish here? And I guess that never came through for me. And yeah, it was disgusting. Yeah, there was a lot of imagery that was kind of like, okay, wow, I don't need to see that. But um, here it is. But again, it, it's at, at what point do I, what are you trying to say with this art is, I guess, what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, I there there is a little something I have I can add to that. Uh, but let's get through some of the info on this one first. So according to Rotten Tomatoes, 22 critics uh, gave it 30 per, 36% um 57 percent of the audience liked it out of 229
0: that is so much higher than i would have ever expected uh <laughs> i guess the people who made it through this movie and decided to uh review it are probably like the kind of people who would like it though because like i said i would have stopped if it wasn't for the podcast and i would have never thought about it again uh because it you know to give this movie a prop it opens up 110 percent like whatever happens in the first 15 minutes of the movie that's what the rest of the movie is like so if you don't like the beginning you're not going to like the middle and you're (laughs) definitely not going to like the end
1: that's a fair point alright let's see if Shudder's description writer can do this one justice in Garrett's court Broadcasting through a makeshift network of discarded television, Kuzo is a shifting series of vignettes tangled in an aftermath of Los Angeles's worst earthquake nightmare. Travel between screens and aftershocks into the twisted lives of these that survived. Blending nightmarish visions, animation, and shocking imagery of a distorted America, this is a daring debut and Sundance sensation from director Steve, AKA renowned musician Flying Lotus. Delirious, provocative, and darkly hilarious, Kuzo is as verbose with macabre, music, melancholy, and unimaginable imagery. You won't believe your eyes or your mind.
2: That is like 500 words more than any other description. You know why they all the descriptions are so bare bones on Shudder? They used all the words for this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they had a Scrabble bag and they used all their letters in here. Well, what do you think of that description? It's pretty... Pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, I guess. They, when I heard about this earthquake business, I really thought that I was going to play a bigger role than it does. It's like, I guess they mention it in the background and the Lady wears an nice, and We Survive shirt, sure, but eh, I don't know, whatever.
1: It's loosely sprinkled over all the shit that you have to get through.
0: Yeah. It's
2: brought up quite a bit, but um, it's always like just an afterthought. Yeah. It's always just like, oh yeah, the earthquake, you know, do you think this was because of the earthquake? Do you think this is, well, and it's like, we never delve into it at all.
0: You know what I think would have made this movie better? Is if it had like more of an Alice in Wonderland approach or something where there was a audience stand in that I could relate to, someone else to be like, what the fuck is happening? And there were two times I thought that was going to happen. Um, and in neither case, though, did that end up being what happened. But I feel like if there was someone else I could have latched onto that also was as flabbergasted by what's going on. Maybe I would have appreciated this film
2: more. As a general audience, you have no connection to why you're watching this. So I think, John, to your point, if we had actually had an audience standing of some kind, it would have kept us more, you know, like kind of engaged and like, oh, they're dealing with this too. Like I can at least relate to this character. But this movie is bananas off the wall, crazy gross. And so I, I just want to ask out the gate, like, what's your favorite segment? Like, I want to know, like, what you guys thought was the most entertaining, not shocking or anything, just the most the one that you thought was the, the best segment of this movie.
0: Uh, I don't know that I could say like the any whole segment. But the one that I most enjoyed when it was on screen was the one with the girl and the two weird interdimensional beings with TV faces. It was particularly the inter- interdimensional beings with TV faces that I liked. I thought they were funny. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, I could take a breather on this one. Uh, that was probably the only one that I was not actively hating while I was watching it.
1: Um, I enjoyed Dr. Clinton, if I can air quote enjoyed um i i I found myself laughing at several bits of that so uh that particular segment we see a gentleman come into a doctor's office after seeing an ad on a television um saying that he can cure you of any fear instantly and the whole segment feels like you know have we kind of hinted this is like deep deep adult swim humor cranked up with poop and pus and 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 cum right like that's what it's all been injected with and I, for one, find myself really drawn to the adult swim style humor, you know, the Tim and Eric's, a lot of that kind of stuff I, I really like. Um, I felt that there was a lot of comedy in this particular scene with the gentleman at the doctor's office. And especially when we find out why he's there, he has a phobia of tits. And I just found that, that concept to be funny. I was just like laughing at it again, even the second time through. Um, and then again, just coupled with the fact that I can't believe P Funk is the doctor in this. And then he proceeds to have a, uh, to the, the procedure that he does to cure people. It was just so like, what the fuck for me,
2: Mark, hold up back up. Did you say the second time through you've watched this movie twice now?
1: Yeah. I remember I told you, I saw it like over a year ago and then I rewatched it for this podcast. Oh, I didn't hear the
2: rewatch part. I thought you were still working off the first watch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, man. Um, I, like I said, I watched it after a Joe Bob marathon and I must've been just drunk enough to like, just sit there in awe of this thing the first time through, just like, you know, asking the same questions you guys have said, what is this? Um, Another question I have is who is this for exactly? And it sounds like maybe nobody. (laughs) Maybe it's literally just for Flying Lotus and his buddies that made it.
0: Well, it's for 57% of the 200 people who reviewed it in Rotten Tomato, apparently.
2: Mm -hmm. I wonder how many of those people, though, liked it because of just who's in it. You know, like I wonder if that's just fan bases being like, oh, I like what my people do type thing, as opposed to what's actually on the screen. But again, I could be wrong. There could be like 50% of the people who watched it on Rotten Tomatoes who were like, hell yeah, this was the jam.
0: I. I do believe there are people out there who are, like, really into this surrealist, bodily, fluid-type grossness. And, I don't know, I think, like, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I might have actually enjoyed this movie more. Uh, so, maybe it's for, like, people in their early 20s or, you know, mid-teens. Maybe that's the target audience for this film.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely possible. I mean, and again, my my experience with this was so interesting because the entire time I watched this, like when it first starts off, Mark or Mark or John, I don't know who said it, but it first starts off with this like person kind of doing like slam poetry over these sets. And it's one continuous shot and they keep like moving the backgrounds behind the sets to further reveal more and more, um, you know, scenes and things he interacts with. And it's kind of set in this like this new studio type aspect that was amazing like when it first started i was like oh if this whole movie's like this i'm in like if this whole thing's done like in this weird like slam poetry dialogue kind of like nonsense cool bring it on i don't care if there's a little grossness but then we switch right into that first scene and when we say scenes like these there's like there's scenes that are intercut throughout the entire movie. And the fact that like, you'll get like, let's say from start to finish, there's one cohesive little storyline of this anthology. It's broken up and you'll revisit it throughout the, the movie, come back to it as it concludes itself. So, you know, characters are introduced in the beginning. You don't get like conclusions to, till the end of the movie, but man, that next scene, I was like, okay, cool. I, I see what's going on here. But then we start getting into like the part where like they're rubbing cum on each other's faces, and I was like, okay, this is definitely trying to gross me out. To gross me out. And then I think the next one is the one with the kid, right?
0: Yeah, the the farts kid, and that one's all just fart and poop humor or grossness.
2: Yeah, and I mean that's the thing is that when they first start introducing like the feces aspect of it, you know, and I'm like, okay, fine. But then after that, the feces stuff is just a running theme. Like honestly, like. This is, this is like a scatological, like experiment. (laughs) Like there's so much like just not. And the thing is is like every time they present it, they present it as like, oh, that's gross, right? Like, oh, check out how edgy this is. And I was like, look, the third time you fucking start dicking around with shit, I'm over it. Like, I'm just like, okay, you've done it. I felt like it never ramped itself up. And when it did try to ramp itself up, it was familiar. And I was like, "I, I don't, I don't get it. And maybe that's it. I just don't get it.
1: I, I feel like it did ratchet a little bit on the last two segments, and uh, but uh, we'll get there. So we just want to go story by story. That seems like it'd be easier than trying to interweave how the movie actually tells the stories. So just to kind of give you a, a visual here, if you guys are familiar with MTV's Liquid Television and a lot of that animation style, I was getting flashes of that. So in between these uh, stories, you get interludes of all these really cool computer lawnmower man-esque animations. Um, again, I think they're really well done. And, and I think that's kind of what kept me in the movie is just kind of seeing how weirdly bizarre some of these animations could be created. And sometimes it's like magazine cutouts, kind of a la Monty Python. If you've seen that kind of stuff, there's some of that in there. All those visuals are have these weird audio tones and, and just kind of really bring in this creepy mood setting. So again, those are probably my favorite parts of all of this because that's the least disgusting the movie is, is when we're watching these animated bumpers.
0: Yeah, those were cool. I will. Uh, I, and there were some interesting visuals in this movie. Like, and I, I think we've already talked about this, right? It's competently made, and there's some okay ideas in it. It's just so covered in badness. That it's tough to get to them.
2: Yeah, that's that's really accurate.
1: I was going to ask you guys uh, earlier, but now's a good time. Is there any other movies that you would even be able to compare this to?
2: Oof. I mean, not not to this level. I mean, I mean that's the thing is like every time I think of a comparison, it's only like a piece of a comparison. When I think of like grossness. I would say like some Eli Roth level stuff with like you know cabin fever when the skin sloughs off the back when they're fucking you know like um, cannibal Holocaust level like you know like gruesomeness and stuff like like okay cool there's some like very visceral responses to the imagery I'm seeing there's things like in Terrifier when the bathroom's covered in shit you know like I can think of parallels two pieces of movies but all the other movies are like okay this is just going to be like a sprinkle on top of the cake and not the fucking cake so i don't know i can't think of any direct parallels to this because this is an art film with you know what this is a perfect reason why movies and creative people need fucking editors Someone to come in and be like, dude, you don't need an hour and 40 minutes of this. We got
1: it. Yeah, it is. It is a bit long, especially the content you're dealing with. Um, It does overstay its welcome. And for John, 11 minutes in was when it was overstayed. But (laughs) um, I I agree with that, Garrett.
0: Yeah, I can't think of any movie really where it's it's I mean, the obvious one is right. It's just like the it's adult swim bumpers turn to 11. Uh, That's the closest it's possibly going to be. But even that's not really describing it correctly.
1: I've got three movies that came to mind. Um, had to really think, though. Uh, the first one being Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. Not so much in the content, but there are scenes where a guy vomits into a bowl and another guy drinks it. So I was like, well, that, that's kind of on point with this one. Not nearly, uh, you know, Kuzo outshines that by a mile. Also, Kentucky Fried Movie from 1977. Um, A lot of those sketches in that movie are just really in poor taste. Uh, So I was like, well, I can kind of see a parallel with that one.
0: Mentioning that, Mark, makes me think, okay, because I haven't seen Kentucky Fried Movie in a long time, but I watched that movie in college and I remember liking it, but I also can't remember it at all right now. I just remember that I liked it. So you saying that makes me think, man, maybe I would have liked this movie in college.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the demographic, right? Um, and then lastly, uh, more recently, there was a movie came out that I actually turned off real quickly called Movie 43. Did you guys ever see that one? No. No. Um, also very surprised with who is in that movie. Um, this movie has Hugh Jackman with a pair of testicles on his chin within the first 10 minutes.
0: He's got ball chinia.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, this, that, that, that movie is also known for its kind of disgusting, raunchy humor. Um, again, that's going for more a sketch comedy thing. So it's not quite Kuzo, but that's the closest thing I could come up with.
2: Holy shit. That movie has, that movie has Emma Stone, Stephen Merchant, Richard Gere, Liv Schreiber. Wow. Dennis Quaid, Greg Kinnear, Common, Charlie Saxton, Will Sasso, Seth MacFarlane, Hugh Jackman, Kate Winslet. My God,
1: dude. Naomi Watts. It's crazy how many people are in this fucking movie and it was so bad. Chris Pratt. J.B. Smooth holy God, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah, I've never heard of it, and it seems loaded with people. Do yourself a favor and just Google Hugh Jackman testicle chin.
0: That joke, though, and thinking about bald made me think of South Park, and that is actually what this movie reminds me of. If South Park could go to, like, 25 and was completely unrated in live action... I think that is this kind that's what would end up
2: here. This is the kind of movie Cartman would make if he had unlimited resources.
0: Nailed it.
2: <laughs> I think that's a really good point though, John. That that plays into what you said is I think if I was younger and I hadn't, you know, I haven't been exposed to the world I live in and stuff like that, you know, like maybe I'd find this more shocking and entertaining kind of like, "Oh, can you believe this?"
1: <laughs> well, I found one interview with Flying Lotus on YouTube uh, where he's talking about this movie. He said it took him Uh, Two years to make, and um, he did the majority of the work on it himself. The underlying reason he gave for making this movie was that he said, and I quote, I always wanted to show people how ugly they can be. So apparently that was his thesis going into the making this movie.
2: I wish that had been more prevalent in the film. I wish that, that that underlying concept was executed a little bit better because... Now that you say that, it makes a lot of sense. But at no point in my hour and 40 minutes with this film did I ever catch that that concept.
0: I'm calling shenanigan pretentious artist talk. <laughs> showing people how horrible they could, whatever. You were just trying to gross people out and are now trying to like justify it with some some highfalutin fancy talk that i'm not buying
1: yeah you you think he came up with the the material before he refined it down to one sentence
0: definitely this is that is retrospective justification man
1: it's a
2: tommy Wiseau the room situation it was always meant to be a comedy like bullshit dude
0: i would respect him so much more if he was just like i don't know i thought it was cool like all right dude dig it like don't try to tell me you're teaching me a lesson here because the only lesson i got is that you like Shit jokes.
1: Okay, well, let's go ahead and get into this as best we can. Um, we'll try to uh, de-disgustify it a little bit. Again, not seeing it visually, is probably going to help our listeners out because um, I would assume the majority of you won't want to see this. <laughs> so why don't we start off with... The end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. See y'all later. Next week is going to be something way better. I promise. Uh, no. Do you guys want to start off with the the lady in the cave? Yeah, let's get that one out of the way. Oh, that one was so
0: weird. It's the one I understood the least.
1: It's also the one that was the least disgusting, I think. So, in what I assume to be is is there's a there's a a woman underground who seems to have been trapped by the earthquake that we've cited, right? The the overarching theme that some crazy, probably the worst possible earthquake ever because now there's transdimensional beings showing up, everybody's been mutated to some degree, there's like John said, ground pimples with faces growing out of it. I mean, this earthquake, I don't know what the fuck, but it must have ripped open some sort of reality hole or something because there's no way a normal earthquake would do this, obviously. Again, kind of maybe to John's point, maybe this was all made and then the uh, kind of the, the connecting tissues was built on top of that to make these stories somehow have some sense of coherency. But to that, again, there's this woman down underground. Um, clearly, she's been there for quite some time. She doesn't have any food available. And she keeps talking about her child. Her child's missing. She's like, I need to get to my baby. And there's scenes of her like eating dead cockroaches. At some point, she starts chewing on cement trying to get to the other side. Strangely enough, there's talking roaches in this movie, too, because you see over in, in the shadows, there's this animated roach that's watching this woman eat, apparently, a, like a dead family member or something like that. <laughs> oh, what a weird ass movie. <laughs> I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to put the imagery out in words, and it's, it's tough.
2: The, the general visual feel of this segment is uh, very dark, very claustrophobic. Um it's it's a lot of a lot of shadowy uh, imagery. Uh, when you see movement, it's 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 bathed in shadow. Uh, you really have to be paying attention to what's going on there, and a lot of really um, extreme close-up shots of this this woman kind of you know reacting to her surroundings and hearing noises. I would say the most impactful part of this segment is the the audio um, because there's there's rumbles and ambient noises that that really do sell this kind of trapped, um, this trappedness that you you can't see too far around you. You are you don't know what's beyond some of these walls. You don't know what's in the dark. And the the audio does a really good job of selling that. So I think that as far as the, um, the atmosphere, this one is probably the most um, effective when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that, Garrett. Um, if you want to really get me good, if you have a lot of audio... Uh, uh, sensory sounds, mood setting things, like those always get to me uh, under under my skin uh, way more effectively than like a jump scare would. At some point, the woman down in this, this, this cavern-esque area starts hearing a voice and it's telling her, hey, all your answers are in the hole. You got to go into the hole. Your baby's on the other side of the hole. And she's like, uh, uh, the woman doesn't speak English. So anytime that she starts talking and the movie wants to let you know what she's saying, it translates. It's on the screen with some like kind of scratchy written writing. So she says, don't worry, baby mama's coming or something like that. And then the voice says, don't, whatever you do, don't fall in the hole. Cause if you fall, your bones are going to be liquefied. Well, sure enough, like first thing we see, <laughs> she immediately starts going down that hole and falls. <laughs> and it's a, Probably one of my favorite shots in the movie. It's this really, really wide shot where everything on the screen is black, except for this corridor of bouncing lights that this quote unquote hole represents. And it's just the woman's body falling from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen with all that moody music that Garrett was talking about.
2: Imagine Gandalf falling after he, when he's fighting the Balrog and they find fall into <laughs> that giant cavern with the water. That's what it kind of looks like.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, The next time we see the woman's story come on screen, she is down inside this hole and there's like a tiny portable black and white television in front of her face. Um, And it pans to the back of the woman and her legs have been fused into another woman. Apparently she's fallen into this like little space where this other woman was living and she's like, don't touch my shit. And then like you look at the television and then it's showing this woman and the lady But it's playing it back with like a sitcom soundtrack, like laugh track and stuff like that. I I didn't quite get this part of it either. So, John, you saying like this didn't make a lot of sense to you. This is kind of where it started falling apart for me a little bit. I'm like, what? Okay, so what does this have to do with anything? And then.
0: Yeah. And she's like yelling. You don't grow into me. I grow into you. And like it was. So bizarre, and it I couldn't piece what it had to do with this woman, except maybe it's just like, oh, look, you're in this weird place now, I guess, because you went down the hole.
1: We're going to have to do some headcanoning to fix this one, fellas. Are you ready?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Love headcanon.
1: The hole in the disco lights, maybe that was some sort of transdimensional portal or you know, reality portal. Like, Remember the, the voice told her, if you fall gonna liquefy your bones well it, it must have happened in that falling uh, procedure and then she landed in there she must have melded with that other woman and she's immediately knocked out with a, with a rock by the other woman and then fade to black that's it on that scene and the next time we revisit this woman again the, the woman's gone but so are her legs it's just like a like a, a block of meat and then the roach, who we saw earlier pops out of her hair and says something like don't fear the fecal matter do not fear the feces for that is your baby
2: that right there i mean that that right there don't fear the fecal matter like why like, again, this is and this is like this part of the segment is happening like three quarters of the way through this movie. So at this point, it's like this is not edgy anymore. God, I don't know. I'm really bothered because I hate shitting on this thing because I'm like, yo, some artists did some stuff. Good for you. But then I'm also like, I, I don't know. I'm just it upsets me. This whole thing upsets me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're 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 almost one fourth of the way through this, Garrett. So let's just get through it. What the roach says exactly to her is not to fear the feces, for it's her it is her baby. And then behind her this giant fecal slug coming at her with eyeballs, and she starts crawling through this tunnel as fast as she can as this giant shit slug chases her, and then it eats her. And then when she's in there, we get this POV scene of some more crazy lawnmower man-esque uh, imagery. Yeah, it's just all kinds of like disembodied body parts, squirting you know, pixelated red liquid and a man is impaled on a spiky object surrounded by red tentacles. It's just crazy, bad shit stuff that we're seeing in this stuff, in these segments, really. And unless I'm mistaken, and I think there may be only one more scene with this woman, it's her emerging from one of the pimple, the ground pimples.
0: Yeah, and that was like, what? Oh, maybe, okay, head cannon. maybe... She is trapped in our Los Angeles where there's an earthquake and it's all crazy. It's all, you know, generally normal and falling through this tunnel. She uh, exited into this new bizarro world that Kuso set in. So maybe that's her journey from our universe, our dimension to their dimension.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to go ahead and, and back that play, John. That uh, is more <laughs> world-building than Kuso ever gave us, but based on the images thrown on screen, that makes sense. Now maybe we should wrap into story two with the weird kid that we mentioned before with the ground pimple. So, John, why don't you do your best to tell us about Weird Kid and the Pointy Hat?
0: All right, the ground pimple. So this one is about... I guess a kid. He looks like a grown-up, but he goes to school.
1: Yeah, he was definitely an older person playing a child. I think. And again, don't forget, listeners: all these people have something visually wrong with them, right? So this guy has giant boils on his face.
0: Yeah, that's like or, a or growths. Very common theme in this movie. Like everyone has face boils and face growths. So he's, uh, you know, a small person. And he's wearing, like, a colorful hat. And we get introduced to him eating some, like, gross food that's given to him by what I could assume is his parental figure, his mom. Then he goes to school and he shits himself. Hilarious, right? Uh, And he gets embarrassed and he, like, gets laughed out of the class. And this is where he runs into the woods, um, which the woods, besides this weird growth the pimple thing seemed pretty regular well it, pretty woodsy i would say
1: except for like say the plucked chicken that's swimming in the in the in the riverbank
0: oh that's right he does see that so now i wondered okay actually great callback mark because i did have a question about that did he really see a plucked chicken or is he just hungry because he hates the food that he's being fed
1: oh man i didn't even think about that possibility but now you got it rolling in my brain Hmm.
0: Yeah, so he just looney-tuned, miraged himself a a, a cooked chicken <laughs> floating down a river.
1: Well, don't and don't forget this plucked chicken spreads its legs and gives birth to a pig face.
0: Guy wants chicken and pork. Can't complain with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. God, this movie's so weird.
1: Can I also just point out that Anders Holm from Workaholics, his only scene is in the classroom setting, and don't think like it's not a school. It's, it's like a, it's a wooden shack in the woods, right? So it's, I mean, it is a school, but it's not like school building. No, they're in the forest. And when the kid shits himself, one of the other kids who before they sit down to class is being force fed ice cream and he's not happy about it. I don't know what that was about. Maybe he's lactose intolerant. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> then they throw that kid into the hole Like, lock him in a hole. I was like, well, what did that kid do? It was the other kid that shit himself. Why are you punishing this other other boy who was forced to enjoy ice cream earlier?
0: Easy. He's ungrateful. (laughs) In this surrealist world, kid got ice cream. He should be eating the shit out of that ice cream. Because this
2: world sucks. Everything about living in this world is miserable. Right? You get just... Please don't say eating the shit out of anything in this episode. (laughs) Because literally that could happen in this movie.
1: Yeah yeah
0: uh in fact in this very vignette right i mean that does happen
1: yeah um anders holm actually like when when the kid shits himself in in bizarre fashion anders holm goes right up to the kids pants and starts sniffing them strangely and then he gets laughed out of his classroom yeah from start to finish bizarre choices are made if you haven't figured that out by now
0: to be honest i have blocked a lot of this movie out of my memory and i watched it yesterday i watched this movie approximately 24 hours ago and i just am trying to willy willfully forget it uh so uh thank you for bringing in some color there so he runs through the forest and he finds what i'm gonna refer to as a ground pimple and it's just like i mean it's like flesh colored and it has an opening and like a gross fucking tongue i mean everything about it's gross like the tongue's extra gross it's this whole thing is just i found it very uncomfortable to look at i was like what is this ground creature i guess maybe a worm is a better like okay if like an earthworm was giant and its mouth part was sticking out of the ground maybe that's what they were going for
2: it looks like a fucking anus is what it is. It's a <laughs> giant fucking like ground bubble with an anus that's pulsing. And inside the hole is a, as, as the more this kid takes a shit like 10 feet away from this thing, picks it up and goes and feeds it to it. The more it does that, it grows a face. Then it starts feeding shit to the face. It's I don't fucking know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was really trying to be like to avoid the, the the i mean what Ed, garrett's right that's what it is i was trying to dance around it but that is definitely what's happening and yeah he just keep the the kid just keeps shitted. it keeps giving it to this anus which then yeah evolves a face and then i don't know what does he do to charlie he like evolves him that's not the right word it gives him he just is able. he gets like a green fucking light that shoots into his head
1: yeah it like trances him out and then he starts we get to see a little bit of what's going on in his brain and then he what he wakes up yeah on the ground in the the, uh, forest and then he barfs up an eyeball and he puts the eyeball in the newly formed face inside the pimple anus yeah what did i just say
0: yeah yeah what did i
1: just say you accurately (laughs) described what was on screen you forced us
0: to watch this so (laughs) got no one to blame but yourself here
1: oh god Saying these things out loud, you're just like, somebody wrote this on a piece of paper and was like, Yep, that's what I'm doing. We're gonna make this movie.
2: And in this vignette, there's no dialogue. Right. There, there's there's absolutely no spoken dialogue at all. So it's all it's all visual representation of what's going on, which I, I appreciate how each each vignette had its own unique um feel and take. Um, I thought that was very interesting. But that's the only thing I'll say was interesting.
1: (laughs) Well, I I really liked the, because I think the ground pimple anus thing looked like a physical effect, right? It didn't look like CG to me. It it felt like it might be an actual puppet they were controlling.
2: Yeah. I think it was. I think think it was actual practical effects. A lot of this was actual practical effects.
1: So I I appreciated that and thought it looked pretty cool. As disgusting as it was, I thought it looked good.
0: It falls back to the fact that this movie is well made, like from a technical aspect. It's shot right. You know, the acting's fine. The effects are good. They just used all of their powers to make something terrible. But I feel like they did it on purpose. I don't why I don't mind shitting on this movie so much is because I don't think this was they were like trying their hardest. And this accidentally was what they made, which feels like what happens in a lot of bad movies. I mean, I think they made exactly what they were going for.
2: Oh, 100%. There's no question there, dude. Yeah,
1: this, this was executed to the precision that they wanted it to be. Okay, how does this one wrap up?
0: So, right, he comes across like a dog, and then he feeds the thing dog shit, which apparently, it, do you think it loved it or it hated it? Because it disappears, and the dude's just standing alone in the forest with this boiled up dog. Now, I don't know if it, lo- it was like, ah, dog shit, that's what I wanted this whole time, or if it was like, how dare you, and it poofed.
1: Hmm. Can't say what a giant anus pimple would crave more. Human or dog flavor. Who knows?
2: <laughs> who knows? I, not us. And let me let me just go ahead and reiterate, or let me let me just state for the audience because we haven't said it before. When we say he feeds it shit, we literally see a hand with a medium shot reach down, grab a handful of shit, and then when we say feed it to him, it smears it into Ooh. its mouth. Like there's nothing subtle about anything that happens on the, in this movie nope nothing is left to the imagination well, oh, except for plot that's <laughs> the only thing that's left to the imagination but like but what, what was interesting about this this vignette also is i guess we're not going to also gloss over the fact when we first see this kid leave his house and go to school his mom welcomes like four large men in to run a train on her the moment he leaves he like watch these men like walk into her house and then they like pick her up and start getting sexual with her and then take her inside. So that was a little subtle visual thing we got.
0: Because so much weird shit happens, like that barely even registered in my brain. <laughs> I was like, "That's the least weird thing that's going to happen." That you know that happened in this vignette.
1: Yeah, they also keep showing pictures of what I assume to be this boy's father. For a second there, I was like, "Is this anus ground pimple birthing his dad?"
2: Oh, oh, maybe, maybe he's creating his a father replacement. of this thing oh god i don't know but yeah they've got a shrine to the dad and every morning they pray to it and um there's little connections like the mom smashes a roach in each you know time it shows up but uh the the character his his dress evolves too as he makes this homunculus of shit pimple like he's starting to wear like these like more colorful jackets and he's starting to wear more stylish hats um so there is some like progression with the character as well Uh, for what reason don't know don't care but there also is a visual representation of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's so hard to know like what's important in these scenes because I don't I don't know what this was trying to tell me. What is what ha- what's the story of this person? What is their arc? What are they what did they overcome? Like I guess he stops having to eat the food he doesn't like?
2: <laughs> like what did they overcome having this movie linked to their imdb page that's what they all had to overcome
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah like there's just so little in in the form of plot that it's really hard to know like what what should we mention here to make sure you know you're really getting the feel for this but it's all visual man you just gotta you gotta watch it but don't watch it because it's not worth it
2: yeah so, I mean, he bursts, the the, the shit pimple thing, the, the face disappears.
0: Yeah, so the, that segment kind of just ends with them standing there. Mark had mentioned this, but since we're about halfway, it's good to mention it again, is that these segments don't play out like this. They're all intercut, like, and interweaving, but not in, like, a Pulp Fiction way where they all tell one story. They're all independent stories, but you just see them in, like, little five-minute increments.
1: All right, let's talk about The Banishers and our up-and-coming rap artists so we uh, we open in on an apartment again everything is disgusting in here so the apartment's filthy there's stains everywhere it's just uh all kinds of unkemptness happening in here your parents would be very upset if if they came by and your your place looked like this it probably looked like john's apartment when he was watching kentucky fried movie you know <laughs> back then probably yeah no
0: <laughs> i gotta tell you as far for an up-and-coming rapper, that's how I picture their apartment. In fact, I knew one in college uh, who did not ever up-and-come, but that is kind of what his apartment looked like.
1: Uh, we're introduced to two, two trans-dimensional travelers who at one point, I believe, are called the Banishers. Um, this is like a throwaway line that this woman who's... Uh, I forget what her rap name is. I think it's B...
0: Hey, very Sesame Street here. This episode is brought to you by the letter B for bad.
1: (laughs) I will give you a round of applause for uh, execution, John. Good job. Thank you. So these banishers are like kind of stocky, hairy monsters with, uh, with a TV face that's all completely animated. So when they're talking, it's an animated mouth moving on this like kind of hairy body. Um, one of them is voiced by Hannibal Burress.
0: They're like the most colorful things in this movie too. Like this movie has a very dark, dingy color scheme, and they're kind of uh, what's the word? Uh, like bright and rainbowy color.
2: Yeah, they've they've got like imagine like a Sid and Marty Croft pinata. Like it's <laughs> it's like the old, you know, like Sid and Marty Croft kind of like, you know, fuzzy, you know, character designs. But then like they have the color schemes of like pinatas. And as they, they as you guys mentioned, they, where their mouths would be, there's like a giant like TV screen and then there's like an animated mouth. So when they talk, it kind of moves to kind of show that they're talking. But they have no eyes. They have no other, you know, defining characteristics other than the fact they look like, you know, like a colorful shaggy mop with a TV screen mouth. And they are just going, they're all on the couch and they're just going to town. They're calling this girl a bitch and saying she's worthless and go get us a beer. I mean, this part, I mean, the the characters, those those creatures were interesting. But again, when they kept talking, I was just like, yo, I don't care. Like they were just being, it was like, it's the kind of thing you'd hear, uh, you know, a bunch of 13 year old boys like you know like yo fuck that bitch oh man yeah come here and hang out but and it's like this bravado slash machismo slash like slash 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 i don't know It's it was just i don't know everything they said i was like this does nothing there's like this does not add anything to anything other than the fact that they um they run her off because she said they say she's terrible. And then she goes to the bathroom.
1: There was some lines dropped, Garrett, in the in this segment um, where it may be a situation where this woman is subservient to these two transdimensional beings. I think they call her, her sl- their slave at one point. Uh, maybe.
0: Yeah. Their relationship is unsure because at the end or whatever,
1: <laughs> ill-defined.
0: Yeah. When they quote unquote help her in the sense that anyone helps anyone in this movie, they're just like, oh yeah, we want to make sure you have no social life but us.
2: This whole time, I thought we were friends. But you ain't got no friends. I'm not. I'm your friend. Well,
0: maybe I don't have any fucking friends, because you guys fucking murdered them all. Oh, here and you Damn, you go. guys even killed
2: Muffy. We ain't murdered nobody, B. We, uh, just sent them somewhere else.
1: Exactly. What? You banished them? Uh, I mean, we didn't, we didn't ban... Okay, well, yeah, we banished them. We, we banished them.
2: But they, they got jobs.
1: Yeah, we made
2: sure of that. They all got jobs
1: they're farmers yeah farmers
0: in the beyond
1: so they're they're just they're watching television and they're they're talking to to be like oh you know what you this movie is artistic that's why it's good and you don't like it because you like shit and then she goes up it goes to the bathroom and then one of the banishers throws its shit at the door because of course like this is the movie we're in um and while she's in the bathroom she takes a pregnancy test and gets two frowny faces. And while she's on the toilet, Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric pops out of the toilet. And then he says something like, hey, you, you must have had like Asian food or something like that. I, I can't <laughs> exactly what he says, but it's like, of course, he's coming out of the toilet. Yeah, just his head pops out of the
2: toilet. So it's like a talking head out of the toilet bowl after she just took a pregnancy test. Now, I will say this. The pregnancy test with the two frowny faces was my favorite thing from this film because I wish the pregnancy test actually had two (laughs) frowny faces on it when you found out you're pregnant because I was like, yo, that's fucking funny. Like, I got to give you that. Yeah. She
0: like does not blink though and this dude's head pops out through the toilet. She's just like, what are you doing here? What about the restraining order? Well, they know each other. Yeah, but he's coming out through a toilet.
2: (laughs) Yes, he is, John. Yes, he is. She just
0: accepts this and is mostly concerned about why he's visiting her.
1: Yeah. She even says like, Hey, what about that restraining order? He's like, Oh no, I just want to be a part of your life. You know, maybe we can hang out and listen to your mixtape later. And then, you know, now that he's talking about her, you know, interests, she's like, Oh yeah, maybe we can do that. You know? Um, and then she like smushes him back into the toilet and flushes it. And then when she goes back out to the living room, she's pelted with shit and they, the, the banishers laugh at her. And then we see her again when she goes to the, let me see, I have this down right. The Valley Coat Hanger Clinic. So we find B sitting at the clinic. And this is where I think another storyline starts to merge into this one. Um, we see a gentleman walk into this clinic as well. And like I said that these, earlier on in the movie, there was a commercial for Dr. Clinton's um, uh, practice where you can come in and he'll cure you of any fear. The gentleman goes up to the counter And it's clearly a man dressed as a woman pretending to be a receptionist. And I actually laughed a lot at this part, too, because I thought the way that this guy was portraying this receptionist and just being so unhelpful was actually kind of funny until it turned into a blow-up doll. And then I was like, okay, I don't know why that happened.
0: Yeah. And at (laughs) first with this guy, I thought, okay, uh, he's going to be someone who sees how bizarre this all is. They totally had me hook-line like, okay, this person is a, I mean, I don't want to use the word normal, but a audience stand in and is seeing how crazy everything is. But alas, that was not what happened.
1: You're right. This guy was the closest possible character that could have been our stand in that you were talking about at the top of the episode. But no, he's not. Um, the blow up doll starts squeaking, and apparently he understands the squeaking of a blow up doll. And then he feeds uh, the blow up doll his his uh, copay fee for coming to see Doctor Clinton. Um, they, they give him a clipboard to uh, fill out and he goes and sits down next to B and he's like, Hey, sorry about all that. And she's like, I don't give a fuck. Whatever, man. And then he starts like the questions on the clipboard. Have you ever ejaculated into your mouth, anus, or blocked it to come inside yourself? Are your fears making you more gay or less? (laughs) What kind of questions are these? I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh,
0: and he was once again being like, I don't, how do I answer that? And he goes to B and he's like, what'd you put for this one? She's like, yeah, I didn't get that
2: one. It just sounds like stuff that like 13 year old kids on a fucking playground would be asking themselves like, like, oh man, if you ever like pissed in your hair? How gay does that make you? You're just like, okay. I, I, man, I just think I, I am too old for this movie. <laughs> I feel like that might be a thing. You
1: probably are. We're all too old for this movie. But uh, it's just Shutter exclusive. I wonder why they paid for this movie.
2: But this scene was legitimately like where I thought the movie was going to do a turnaround. Because you're right when uh, when that character is talking to the uh, the receptionist, I was like, okay, this is funny. This is actually like you know like okay, we've got some like decent like you know something's happening here and and to your point john we finally had a character that we could kind of relate to in any form or fashion because he was like wait why are you saying this what i don't know how to answer that yeah very much like how we feel in this movie so far (laughs) but i appreciated the fact that he was like he was still in this crazy ass world he was still living in it and then when he sat down to answer that questionnaire that was kind of funny it went on a bit long but whatever um I'm not going to criticize that compared to everything else in this film.
1: <laughs> and this is also the point of the, where the movie, the movie decides to have a little bit of social commentary in the middle of this fucked up brain shitstorm that it's throwing at you. It's, they start talking about abortion and who gets to decide and who should know about it and all this stuff. And it's like a woman's choice. And I'm like, why is this movie deciding now? Like at this point when this scene happens, we're probably over halfway through the film, Right. And it's like, what, what is this bringing to the movie when, and it's a good, like five minute back and forth between B and this gentleman who, uh, we find out in just a few minutes is scared of tits. Um, you know, he's telling her, Hey, you got to go tell Tim Heidecker that you, you're going to have his baby. And she's like, why would I tell him? I don't even like the guy. And he's like, well, it just seems like the right thing to do. And she's like, well, it's my body. And he's like, I'm still kind of fucked up. You're not going to tell him. And she's like, ah, fuck off, Whatever. Again, I don't know what purpose this serves or it doesn't really add anything to that social debate. No. I wonder if it was added in just because for shock value.
2: I wonder if it was added in just because of the the like, oh, that's, a, that's an edgy subject. That'll fit right in with everything else edgy we've done. Or maybe this legitimately was like some kind of like direct social commentary they were trying to talk about. Just
0: didn't feel like the right time and place, especially considering what comes before it and what comes immediately after it. It's like... Eh, kind of seems a little demeaning to an important topic. Yeah.
1: Um, so I think B just, she goes home, right? She doesn't get the procedure done. Uh, she leaves.
2: Yeah. After she leaves the clinic, cause she gets like frustrated. She's like, fuck this. I'm out. And she like leaves. Um, and this is after, um, the other character that like, goes in the back to meet the doctor, she leaves. And then we cut to her, um, <clears throat> going to Tim Heidecker. I don't know Tim Heidecker's character's name. So fuck it. I'm just going to call him Tim Heidecker. Um, He, they go to his house, she goes to his house and like climbs through the window and he is fully naked on a bed, like a mattress, not a bed, but like a mattress, like, and he's got this weird, um, I want to call it like, imagine five pillows mashed together made out of flesh with like vaginas and nipples on it and stuff like that. And he's like hunched over it and he's like fucking the hell out of this thing and he's just fully naked fucking this thing. And she walks in, he's like, Oh my God, that's so gross. You know, like, is that supposed to be me? It's completely non identifiable as anything other than a, um, a meat sack. So I don't know why she thought that, but, um, he's just like, no, don't look at me. Don't look at me. You shouldn't be seeing this. And then I, I, Uh, For the life of me, I can't tell you the dialogue that happens at this point. But she finds that he has a shrine to her on the wall. Like, it's like all these pictures and candles. Yeah. And and you could tell he's obsessed with her. And that's when she tells him that she's pregnant and she's going to get it aborted. And, Mark, you're going to have to finish the rest of this off because I don't even know what fucking happens after this. Oh,
1: sure. So... They're uh, they're arguing back and forth, and Tim Heidecker's like, "What if I just slit your throat and take the baby right now?" Like, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna let you abort this thing. It gets starts getting overly aggressive.
0: Yeah, he goes from zero to a hundred real quick, especially considering he has a shrine for her that is very uncomfortable, and he was just fucking a meat slab. So uh, to suddenly get the high ground here was a, a really rich of this dude.
1: Yeah, but almost immediately. Um, in comes our transdimensional banishers, and they zap Tim Heidecker with a yellow blast of energy, and he turns into I don't know, almost a plucked chicken with maybe a hot dog coming out of his ass. I looked at it, and I couldn't make heads or tails of what they did to Tim Heidecker. Did you guys figure that out? It was a dick coming out of an asshole, dude. What <laughs> it was? Okay. <laughs> it
2: was. It was. It was like his penis. oh
0: yeah. I couldn't tell either. I thought, oh, did they like? Because this movie loves anus jokes, I was like, "Did they like prolapse his anus? Like, what the <laughs> fuck am I looking at?"
2: Yep. They, his, yeah, his ass prolapses out, and I'm talking like maybe like a good like nine inches, uh, maybe like you know seven inches diameter. It's a it's a pretty massive prolapse, but yeah, like there's like a little dick tip hanging out of it, and it, sure, of course, of course it is, and then they now. is is this where she they go back to the the apartment at that point like the 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 banisher's apartment and then they she she reaches inside her stomach with the yellow energy and pulls out the fucking zygote slash no
1: it's way worse (laughs) yeah so they 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 go then we get to watch her rap video the demonic rap video which i kind of sort of like but not really
2: I asked, I asked, I was like, is this Diane word? I was like, what's going on here?
1: (laughs) It definitely felt like that. I I was running the, the, um, the closed caption on it. And when it started rapping, it just said demonic rap unclear. (laughs) So I wrote down some of her rap lyrics here. So uh, this is just some of the things she says during her song. No God, no lessons. Futility reigns in the place we used to call heaven. Mangled faces from radioactive waste. It references the earthquake at some point, And then she says, hate art. Art is garbage. Now we're all just scavengers in hell, surviving on what's left. No ghosts only shells yo that's deep dog
0: I think she just summed up the movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much is that her like
2: into the movie Will Smith rap where she like recaps the plot of the movie that we just watched I think so
1: yeah it's MIB part three <laughs> <laughs> um so they, they they pan out and then you see we're back in the apartment with the banishers and she's they're watching this music video and they're like yo that's lit that's good shit um but they're the ending part of that video is that they all get grossed out by is apparently they're shoving some rod through a penis and they're like, no, what would you do that for? That's awful. You need to do more art. This is bullshit. And she's like, no, you guys just don't get it or, or something like that. And then she starts going towards the bathroom again. And she's like, well, it's a shame. I still have old dumb fucks baby in me. And one of the banishers go, wait, what? And then he fucking shoots a yellow laser And then we go inside of her body and then we get to hear Scorpion from Mortal Kombat go, get over here. And they yank the fetus out of the body. And then (laughs) so fucking dumb. He throws the fetus at her. And then it says, we get to hear from Mortal Kombat fatality. And then we hear the famous MK3 toasty guy then they're all laughing about it. And she's super pleased that she got her abortion that she wanted all along, only a little differently. Then she
2: says, we should smoke this. All right. Does she really? Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Nope. I oh, swear to God. Like, I don't even look, again, this shit's just trying to be, they, they think they're fucking edgy. At some point, Sony to come in and be like, dude, this is just not. <laughs> Come on man. Like like what the fuck? Honestly, I
0: can't believe Mortal Kombat licensed those sounds to them. I mean, I know it's like a fighting game.
2: Oh, I don't think they did. But like this seems extreme even for Mortal Kombat. I I would I would put $5 down right now that Mortal Kombat, Warner Brothers, <laughs> the people who own the Mortal Kombat thing did not license the fatality for a fetus being ripped out of a woman and then toasty when they talk about smoking a fucking fetus. No, <laughs> I, I will 100% guarantee you that is not licensed. Yeah.
0: But how has not gotten taken down yet though? I don't know. Let the lawyers work it out. But that, that surprised me. I was like, Whoa,
2: <laughs> I think that was the, the running theme for the whole movie is let the lawyers work it out.
1: <laughs> and then as we wrap up that story, you see her put a, uh, a lighter, and fetus to her mouth. And then that ends this one. Tasty. Okay. We're almost done here, guys. We're getting close. All right. Let's go back to Dr. Clinton's office. As you may mention, mentioned, I, I told you there was a man who was afraid of tits there. The, the nurse comes out with her bosom hanging out. Uh, big red bra. Giant tits. This guy's like, oh, man. It's like, okay. I guess this is kind of funny still. You know, it, like now he's having to face his fear of the doctor's office. And he goes into the office. And then the scene cuts, and then when we come back to it, he's on the ground covered in green sauce. And that's being generous when I call it a sauce. I don't know exactly what we would call it. Uh, And and Dr. Clinton, played again by George Clinton of the Funkadelics, standing up, and then they're like, hey, are you okay? He's like, how long was I out? And she's like, 23 minutes. And he's like, man, this is a fucked up place. I came here to get my phobia taken away. And they're like, don't worry, man, when you leave this office, You're going to be cured. All right? Now just calm down. And they're like, okay, let's go ahead and go through this procedure. Are you ready to do this? And he's like, okay, let's go ahead and do it. So he lays back on the ground. And uh, Dr. Clinton stands above him with his ass facing the man's face. And they say, okay, let's go through and pick out the music that we're going to listen to during the procedure. And they go through some little cheesy MIDI beats And at some point like they like one of the tunes and they start grooving out a little bit and it's a little weird and he's like, Nah, fuck that. Let's just do it a cappella. And he's like, Acapella, this shit better be on point. He's like, Yeah, I got this, don't worry. And they start chanting what was it? Mr. Quiggles?
2: It was something like that. I was
1: Mr. Quiggle's worth or something like that.
0: Yeah, I was having a real hard time like understanding what they were saying, uh, and I don't know if it was just me or what. But they, yeah, they just start chanting the same word over and over again, and it was weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it was
0: weird. The subtitle of this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, so they start chanting Mr. Quiggle, and then they this guy does a little impromptu acapella rap, and then we see uh, Doctor Clinton pull his pants down spread his ass cheeks, and what emerges is the only thing I could think of is uh, a, a very, very large centipede. It's like a, Imagine like a crawdad. Is that what you guys thought Mr. Quiggle was? Imagine like, imagine like a crawdad. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like a, a giant anus crawdad.
1: God. So he, uh, Mr. Quiggle, uh, uh, goes ahead and visits this individual, and the doctor says, drink up as much of the juice as you can. And he pulls off one of the antennae and it's Mr. Quiggle screams a little bit. And then a bunch of green liquid just comes out and the man like drinks it up and then passes out.
2: Mark, stop and hear the fucking words that are coming out of your mouth right now.
1: I know, man. I, I know this is as, as gross as it sounds. You, the listener, you see this. There is no like there's no this movie is NC 17 cubed, right? It's. It's as filthy as it possibly can be. And you're seeing every bit of this in visual gross detail. So it's not like a movie who would like hide it off screen and you just have to put the image together in your mind. No, you, you see this all, you see the man open his ass, you see the crawdad centipede come out, you see him snap off a tentacle and drink the, the green goo that comes out of the tentacle. Now he wakes up. And he's cured of his fear of tits.
2: We know this because, Mark, you left out that uh, Dr. Clinton has a extremely busty nurse with her tits like just like fully pushed up like it's cleavage to the max but of course it's covered in sores and you know massive like wounds and stuff like that so it's it's disgusting nothing nothing can be nice in this movie um and when he when he does wake up he looks over at the nurse with her tits like all like half hanging out and he's like oh my god i'm cured like he looks like he goes up and he's about to punch the boobs though i was like dude calm down like don't go straight to hitting tits as soon as you're cured (laughs)
1: Yeah, no. uh, And then to show his gratitude, he's like, I got to tell Mr. Quiggle, thank you. So Dr. Clinton again, opens his ass. And then he's like, yeah, let me get a fist bump, Mr. Quiggle. And then he puts his hand uh through his butt to fist bump his <laughs> now, uh, his crustacean pal.
2: Now this this shot right here though I gotta give him credit. This was fucking hilarious to me because when he's like Doc, thank you so much. Oh man I can't I gotta thank Mr. Quiggles and he's like if you got to you got to. Clinton bends <laughs> over, spreads his ass. Now the shot is like imagine um a screen that's black and in the center is a, a hole that has been opened up, basically symbolizing the asshole. And so it's all dark and shadow in the foreground. And then through the hole, you see um, the patient being like, Mr. Quiggles, you in there? Oh man. So it looks like he's looking, peering in, we're in the hole and he's, we're peering out at him. And you can see like little like um, shadows of antennae and stuff like that from Dr. Mr. Quiggles inside. And he's like, I got to give you a fist bump. I legitimately like, I didn't know what to do at this point because I was like, he's going to fist bump this thing, which in turn means he's fisting George Clinton's ass. <laughs> and I knew it was coming. I knew it was about to happen. And the fact that it still happened, I was just like, at what point is enough enough? Like, like yeah. it was hilarious to me this moment. Cause I was like, what a fucking, like the concept of that was hilarious. But, um, Oh my God. I was just like, Wow. So, to what you said, Mark, someone wrote this down.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we had mentioned earlier this film uh, proves why the editors exist, but I think it did have an editor. And the editor's whole job was like, all right, but how can we involve butts in this? And that's (laughs) just, they went through the whole script and they're like, all right, what if we put, you know, some anus here? And that is just what they, that was the editor's job.
2: Look, we all love a good butt. (laughs) We all love, you know, you know, all sorts of stuff, all right? And and no no shame into anybody who enjoys this film. But at some point, like, it almost seems obsessive, this movie, with, like, shit and assholes and, again, things that fucking Cartman would find hilarious. Like, it, it it's so nonstop, it almost seems weirdly obsessive. Like, this guy's like the Captain Ahab of fucking, like, things coming out of asses. <laughs>
0: Maybe he has like a phobia, right? And he wrote this movie to work through any kind of butt phobias. Ooh. Guy's afraid of tits, but the, you know, Steve, uh, or Flying Lotus, ass fear, ass phobia. And this is just his way of working through that. Maximum exposure therapy.
2: Now that is some headcanon I can get behind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Well, let's wrap this up. We've got one more vignette to get through. Garrett, why don't you bring us home? Oh, thanks. This one, um, I, I, we didn't mention the names of these, so let me just tell you. Um, the first one we talked about with the woman is called Sock. The one with the ass pimple and weird kid with the pointy hat, that's called I, that Smear. There's no H. I put that in. <laughs> um, Mr. Quiggle is our storyline with Rapper B and the guy with the fear of tits. And lastly, we're going to end this one with Royal.
2: Wait a minute, they had names?
1: Yeah, at the end, if you if you sit through the credits, they give full credits to the people that worked on each <laughs> short.
2: If you if you sat through the credits, Mark, what the fuck? You know we didn't sit in the credits on this one. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: like the moment it faded to black i was like fucking menu 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 <laughs> let me be done with this
1: <laughs> uh, well that means that you missed uh, the last uh freeform poetry rap because after the credits roll we get to see our guy from the beginning come back and do a acapella rap oh uh-huh.
0: uh, well guess i'll just have to live my life without that <laughs>
1: <laughs> um okay so the the
2: last vignette that we're going to talk about is actually the first vignette we we end up seeing in this movie after the um, the slam poetry news segment. We we cut to and I feel free to jump in at any point because I'm going to fuck this up because again all this is just fever dream for me at this point.
1: Yeah, and this is actually one of the shorter segments, Garrett. So there's not a lot to it, really.
2: Yeah. Oh, there's a lot to it, Mark. I'm going to get into it. Trust me. Um. <laughs> so. Um, we we open up with this guy who's in his bed and he's he's hearing noises. Um, it, it's sex noises coming from like his neighbor's wall or upstairs. I don't know which one, but um, he like he looks over at the wall and it kind of like zooms in on it slowly. We kind of pan in, you know, we kind of like zoom in on the wall as we the noises intensify of people having like weird, crazy, raunchy sex. And um, also, there's a Super Nintendo on top of uh, his little. Uh, entertainment center there and i was like desperately hoping they'd zoom in close enough so i could see the name of the game that was in it (laughs) nope they scratched off the uh the label so you couldn't tell um so
0: they were not afraid of warner brothers but they knew nintendo (laughs) would come for their ass
2: (laughs) they come for their ass literally john um, (laughs) um so that's going on and then he gets like nervous and he like lays back down in his bed real quick and as he does that a rope falls to the floor next to his bed and um, a woman comes out of the bathroom and she comes over and she's got these like, she's actually really, I mean, other than like all the sores and everything they put on these people to make them look as disgusting as possible. She's beautiful. This woman is like, you know, with the exception of those things, like gorgeous. And she walks over and she picks up this rope and she's like, Oh, okay. I guess it's time. And she gets in bed with him. She gets behind him and she wraps the rope around his neck and she then starts choking him like hard. And he just like, and I'd say this is like a medium shot above the bed. Um, You see her behind him. And I don't know if she's pegging him or if she's just got her knees or her feet in his back, but she is like full on, like like she's trying to rein in a fucking horse with this dude, like choking him. And he's just jerking as hard as he can. And that's going on. And she's saying like all sorts of weird stuff. I can't even remember all the dialogue, but it's it's like, you're fucking trash, you know. Like it's just like humiliation type stuff, and and then he gets off. He comes, and this is under the sheet, so you, you can tell it happened, but you don't see it. And then he rolls over, and they look at each other. And at some point, they say like, "Do you think we can do this without the rope one day?" And she's like, "Probably not." Um, and then he smears. Does she do it or does he do it? Like someone takes like the handful of cum and just smears it across the face of the other person. I think
0: she does it i can't remember uh i I think she
2: does it though
1: it's visually much worse than how garrett describes it to listeners it is disgusting
2: i've seen pornos like fucking like amateur like fucking like pornhub pornos where it's like less blatantly disgusting than like what they're showing here it's there's nothing hot about this i mean Mm -mm. maybe to some people but you know like the the visual aspect of it is like it's that duality of like, OK, this is this is kind of kinky and sexy. And then it's like just f- just visually disgusting. Um, so she smears it all over his face. And then I think they kiss each other. And that's when we cut to other vignettes in the the movie. But eventually we come back and...
1: um, Did you mention that she has a scarf around her neck?
2: Yeah, she's got like a a neck-like thing.
1: And he's like, okay, now it's your turn. And he like kind of goes for her neck and she's like flinches away. And she's like, no, no, we're good. You roll over and take a nap.
2: I thought this was going to be like the old... um, the old horror story with the, the lady who had her head cut off and she takes off the, the ribbon her head falls off I thought it was going to be like that if only <laughs> no if only if if only it was that <laughs> fucking classy um, so they, they get in an argument or something and Like, and and the dialogue, let me be very clear. The dialogue makes no fucking sense. Like, it's like Mad Libs that have been mixed up in a blender (laughs) level dialogue. And so he convinces her to take her scarf off the neck, and she does. And she's got this giant, gaping kind of, like, growth with a mouth and two little indented eye holes. Imagine, like, the eraser head baby, but, like, made out of silly putty. Um, and it's just like hanging off her neck. And then the thing starts talking to her, talking to him because he's like, you know, you got to love me with her, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's a package deal. And he's freaking out. And he's like, let's go to a doctor. We'll get it removed right now. And she's like, no, no doctors. I don't know why she's so committed to hanging on to this thing on her neck, but she does not want it removed.
1: Well, she says that, uh, uh she tried burning it off. She tried everything she could. They're freaking out about it. And also this this boil creature thing has an English accent and has a male voice. And it's actually voiced by the animator David Firth. Oh really? Yeah, it is it is so gross. But yeah, he even says something like you kept trying fire and that didn't work, you know? It's like it's talking to both of them. He's like, You're just gonna have to learn to love me too. <laughs>
2: yeah, it it's, it's so it's so weird. And then I, I do not, and, and thank God I don't, but I do not remember how this next part happens. But at some point he's decided that he's got to fuck this thing.
1: It's gross. It's something like this. It's something like the first thing we got to do is get you out of those crusty pants. And then it's like, yeah, show it to me. It like It's so gross. It's so off-putting.
0: Yeah, like the Boyle, like, talks him into it. I don't know. I don't remember, to your point, the dialogue. It's all just a big blur. But the Boyle... <laughs> I
2: mean, I'll be honest. I jerked off this whole fucking scene, you guys. I was <laughs> hard as a fucking rock, okay? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so he he gets basically, like, you know, negged into fucking this thing. And... Um, he, he does and and when we say fucking this thing we see it like it's a, it's a fucking dick that goes inside this boil with a mouth and it's like sucking him off and then the next thing you see you see like a, a behind the back shot a medium shot of, of him just like grabbing her neck and head and just fucking the shit out of her neck and you hear all these sex noises and grunting and everything like that and it's very similar to what we were hearing through the wall earlier in this segment so I wondered if he was hearing that as like a like like a um, a precursor to what was going to happen, or if he actually was hearing other people, I don't know. Or is everyone in every room fucking neck holes? That also is a possibility in this film. But um, yeah, he he has sex with this neck hole monster thing, and I know he gets off, but I don't remember how this ends, Mark.
1: We get to have another ultra uncomfortable close up of the boil. With uh, the fellow's um, fluids,
2: Mark, it's come. The, the the boil has come, like running out of its Ugh. mouth. Jesus Christ, you're an adult. Just
1: say it. Look, I'm trying to. I'm trying to sanitize it just a little bit for our listeners.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had to suffer, Mark. We need to make them suffer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there, I think the the guy's like, "Oh, that was pretty good," and he's like, "Well, now that you fucked me, don't you think I should at least have a name?" And the ladies like, or, you know, the woman who owns this boil is like, yeah, he's got a point. I'm going to call you royal. Royal the boil. And that's it. That's how this thing ends. <laughs> that's all, folks.
0: Now, that would have been a hilarious ending. You get that uh, chicken with the pig face to do that. But, you know. <laughs>
1: John, you're on to something. Yeah, and then, like I said, the credits roll. We see uh, each segment uh, give credit to where it, it's due, uh, maybe not wanted, but due, and then we get um, to see our gentleman from the beginning, who actually is Flying Lotus, that's the guy who did our impromptu rap at the beginning, and then our into Poetry Slam at the very, very end of this. Okay, cool. Um, again, I don't know if it's some sort of free-form flowing thing, but it not a lot of it made much sense to me at the end. Um, But yeah, that's how we close out Kuzo.
2: It closes out. And again, fuck me if the the talent involved in this is not great and the the skill and craftsmanship that went into this movie isn't top notch. It's just what they chose to do with it was just yeah. baffling, fucking mind boggling.
1: So one thing I do want to bring up that we didn't really touch on too much is the music itself. I thought the music was pretty good. We've got tracks from apex twin in here we've got akiri yamaoka from the silent hill series he did some music for this and then of course flying lotus's songs some of that stuff i was like man this is actually a good track if you remove this from the movie
2: (laughs) i i got i definitely got chris cunningham feels from this movie um the guy who did like a lot of the apex twin videos and um some things like that um i don't know if you guys have ever seen his um his short film rubber johnny
1: yeah i've seen rubber johnny
2: okay that is a just it reminds me of this except for the fact that like that was weird and gross but it was like okay this is very but that was also only 10 minutes long this is an hour and 40 (laughs) but um Yeah. yeah no i i definitely got some chris cunningham feel from this movie but um yeah, the, the, the audio was good. The sound, the soundtrack and the, um, the audio cues and everything like that were really well done. And I think it, without those, man, imagine if the soundtrack was bad, this would be utter trash.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree that I probably would have turned it off a lot. Uh, I would have turned it off period if, uh, the audio didn't get me through along with those animations. Uh, maybe, maybe these musicians just need to stick with the music side of it. Um, uh, maybe flying Lotus, I don't know. Again, it's competently made. It's just not good. It's just disgust. It's a, it's an hour and 40 minutes of disgustingness that r- makes me recoil. <laughs> and for alone, I thought that was worthy talking about with you guys for an hour and a half. But, uh, well, that's art. I don't know. I, I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to really definitively like make a judgment on this film because, while I do feel that things like this should be able to be created, I feel like if this is the kind of art you want to make, okay, fine, you know, do it. Like, you know, it's a form of expression, you know, like go for it. And it's well done in its own aspect. But again, art is subjective. Art is about taste. And, you know, to that point when the scene where, um, the, the banana splits characters are hanging out with the Diane word girl, um, like she's like this is shit this isn't good this isn't art this is trash and they're like no you don't get it you don't get it i i feel like that was a direct like you know like play at this movie but to that point it's it's true like i don't like this i would not recommend anyone waste an hour and 40 minutes of their life unless they're like really into art experimental films i'd say give it a shot but even then fuck dude that's your time <laughs> like not my time but I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't want stuff like this to have an outlet. Does that make sense? Am I... I, I feel like I'm not making myself clear, but...
1: You th- you're saying that this stuff has the right to exist, whether we like it or not. And if somebody like, say, Flying Lotus is out there and wants to make this stuff, you're free to do it. Just, you know, I, I assume that he had some sort of expectation going in, like, this is going to do exactly what I intend to, and that is disgust. And even the, I mean, when it opened at the Sundance Film Festival, I think probably whenever the, the smearing of the, uh, the cum happened on the people's face, I, I, I think I read that almost half the theater walked out at its premiere. So, you know, if, if you have a stomach for that, just make sure, you know, it, be well prepared if you're going to sit down and watch this on Shudder. Um, if you listen to us and you're like, I have to see this for myself, you've been warned. Yeah. Um, it's a lot worse than our description of it. Just uh, go in knowing that.
2: It reminds me of uh, that art installation, Piss Christ. Did you remember that? Yeah. Where they basically, like, they took the crucifix, put it in the giant um, tank, and then he, like, filled it with his own urine. And it traveled the globe. And, like, I don't know. Like, to me, I don't get that kind of art. I'm like, that's... Okay, great. You peed on a crucifix. What's fucking... What, what, what did you have to do to it's shock value and I don't know. I, I, I personally struggle with shock value being art, um, as a form of like, you know, like, like, Oh, that's, it takes talent to do that. But I don't know. Again, I'm glad this movie exists. It's not for me. God, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone.
1: I, it, it definitely falls in the piss Christ category or the guy who canned his own shit. You know, this is, that's another art piece that's out there. There's a lot of this kind of stuff that, uh, um, Again, it's like, okay, you thought of an idea that maybe hadn't been done yet. doesn't necessarily make it good to me. But it, like you were saying, I think this stuff deserves to exist. And it's there for anybody who might find enjoyment in that.
0: Yeah. I mean, deserves to exist. I don't know about all that. But has the right to exist. Uh, I, would, I would certainly not recommend this movie, though, to anyone at all. Even a little bit. Though the soundtrack was dope, it does slap. I concur with that. Ooh. Find that on iTunes or something. Slapping
2: soundtracks. Back in this business. All right, let's
1: (laughs) do it. All right, gentlemen. Well, that's three uh no's from us. Uh, listener, you can make your own decision if you're gonna check that out. Have you seen Kuzo? Why don't you let us know what you thought about it on our social medias? We got an Instagram a Facebook, and a Twitter. And you can find all things Grave Talk at thegravetalk.com. Garrett, what are we looking at next week? Hopefully with 3,000% less poop and cum.
2: Well, it's actually a listener suggestion and I've never seen it. So I can't guarantee that there's going to be less shit and coming it but um here's hoping uh, it's the burning
1: ah yeah now that if i'm not mistaken that's an 80s slasher movie i think i haven't seen it myself either but uh i'm looking forward to checking that out so again if you guys have any recommendations for us please let us know we're happy to throw them in the mix um you know we're we're still discovering stuff on our own even though you know we, at this point we've seen so many horror movies there's hundreds more that we've never even heard of or, or seen so uh keep these suggestions rolling um, and unless we got anything else to say about Kuzo, which I think we've drained the ball sack at this point. Drained the ball. God damn it, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's playing into the word play of the movie. You know what I'm doing. All right.
2: At, oh, you could, you could have gone with anything as this episode prolapses
1: on itself <laughs> as, you
2: know, like, I mean, there's so many options.
1: Gross. Okay. Um, that's going to do it for us, uh, with this episode of the grave talk. We'll see you next time with the burning. Take it easy out there.